Welcome to the Ground Level Podcast. My name is Rene Castellanos, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Isaac Jones. Hello. The world is readjusting. Here at the Ground Level Podcast, we have readjusted as well. For this episode, Isaac and I thought it was best to use it as an opportunity to talk and catch up during this age of social distancing. Since things have been changing so rapidly, let me just give a rundown of where we are at today. Currently, it is April 11th. More than 500,000 cases have been registered nationwide. Almost all U.S. states have ordered shelter in place. And lastly, the U.S. has just surpassed Italy's death toll as the world's highest. When we last recorded, which was March 7th, the situation was very different. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, had declared a state of emergency, while nationwide total confirmed cases had just reached 400. On March 9th, it rose to 754 cases, and for NYU students at least, school moved towards remote learning on the 10th, where we got the notification on the 9th of March. That's crazy that we recorded the last episode just a month ago. Do you even remember how you felt about the virus back then? Yeah, it, it seems like another life, to be honest. I remember that day going to the studio to record our episode on the rise of xenophobia and racism due to the coronavirus with Safan. For me specifically, the virus did not make me feel any sense of urgency. Perhaps I guess it didn't enter my head that this was real and that this was affecting people and was going to affect the United States. When I looked at my phone while we were getting ready to record and saw that Cuomo said we were in a state of emergency, that was when it became real for me, like as an American, that this was something more than just a blip of the news cycle. Yes, that was scary. I remember you and I nervously laughing during that and Stefan looking at us and being like, yeah, this is a big deal. He he was just not, he wasn't phased at all. Like he, he, he acted totally normal. He almost knew it was coming. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Then last time I saw you, it's on Monday. We're in front of Weinstein. We've just bumped into each other and you give me a big hug and you're like, bro, I'm going to North Carolina tonight. So what happened after that? I can give a brief background on that day because it was, to be honest, it was a, it was a pretty nice day. Um, you know, <laughs> everyone... Everyone was outside. Everyone was chilling. I was with my best friends in the world, and and it was uh, it was a wonderful day. We were all waiting for the news, though. Everyone knew that things were about to go down with NYU. People were petitioning the school to go home, and this was one of the instances of realization that I had akin to the state of emergency announcement. Parents at that point had already been paranoid. My parents were. I was going to go that Friday back home for spring break, anyways. I was going to go to LaGuardia, and they didn't want me to go there just because it's an airport. And those are the kind of like scenes in the movie where you get infected with the virus is at the airport when someone coughs on you. So I guess there was a, this sense of paranoia. And out of a whim, I decided to go rent a car. Coincidentally, New York and Michigan are the only states where people under 21, I believe, can do so. And I'm not 21 yet. So that was the perfect opportunity that I had. And so when the email came out, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go. So I decided to drive seven and a half hours to North Carolina. Definitely a drive that I, I'm surprised that I made just because, Jesus Christ, that was... That was really boring. <laughs> yes, especially as someone who comes from Europe, seven and a half hours sounds like a long drive to me. Yeah, I, I can imagine so. I'm in North Carolina, though. You're in New York City. Completely different worlds. Why didn't you go to your family like most other people kind of had the intuition to? Yes, I'm here in New York City for the moment, living with my girlfriend. For all the listeners out there who don't know, home for me is not quite as close as North Carolina. I'm actually from the north of Italy, in Bologna. So weeks ago, when this broke out, I didn't want to go back home because the situation there was so much worse. And now that both Italy and the US have imposed travel bans, 
not being a national makes it so much harder for me to go back home. I guess you could say that I'm stuck here. So I, I can imagine that was a stressful situation, just like realizing that you weren't able to go home. Going off of that though, how how's your family in Italy? What have you heard from your family members and other people around the country? I'm really lucky. My family and all of my friends back there are really safe. Everyone's been in quarantine for more than a month now and continuing until the 3rd of May. I think that everybody outside of Italy knows how big a deal this has been from a public health standpoint. But looking forward for a country whose economy has been on the brink of collapsing since way before the pandemic, I'm just really concerned for the economy back there, which just means general welfare. And it also means my friend's future. Having said that, if there's one thing I'm really grateful for, it's that I don't get to hang around people who are in a higher risk bracket than I am for the virus. Since again, I'm just living in my New York City apartment with my girlfriend. You instead, you're living with your parents and your grandparents. How is that pressure? As you can imagine, it's a very high pressure environment. If I were to exercise any less caution with going outside, my grandparents and parents would be pretty offended. Being forced to talk to your family over and over again also is like difficult in the sense that with the paranoia going around it's stressful and you know you can really step on each other's toes and stuff like that i mean i'm stubborn headed that doesn't make it any any easier also i mean it's like isolating i haven't been able to go outside in weeks to do the things that i would normally do it gets boring it gets sad it starts to feel a little bit unreal for me the thing that grounds me is realizing that i have it really good compared to a lot of other people especially the people that keep on going outside in this we're not really taken in consideration how lucky people are with homes and stable places to go because this is affecting people and this is the story that's not really being told so many people who don't have stable homes or that are homeless or that are of the really 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 lower class that's affecting them more than someone like we could ever like imagine i feel that man i also feel really grateful for but um but going back to that let me just ask you a really uncomfortable question you've just talked about the pressure of not getting your relatives sick looking back to going to north carolina do you think that that was a brash decision would you change that part of me regrets coming back to North Carolina. Knowing what I know now, I might have stayed just because of my situation with the housing, possibility of me carrying the disease from some bad luck going around the city. I, I'm sure you know, everyone's been talking who might have had the disease and who might have not. I wouldn't say it was brash, but part of me definitely does wonder if it was the right decision to go back. But I'm also happy that I'm here at home with my parents. For you though, I, I did want to ask, what is it like living in New York City? I think the answer is more disappointing than you'd think. You know about it just as much as I do. Since I never leave my apartment, all I know is really what I read in the headlines. It's frustrating to have to tell all of my friends from Italy, for example, asking me the same question, exactly this, which is, it's not very crazy. Having said that, it's really heartwarming to see New Yorkers come out to cheer for healthcare workers at 7 p.m. I actually made it a tradition to go up to the roof every day at that time to cheer with them. I think you can empathize with the fact that it's really rare for New Yorkers to show that kind of solidarity. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think this act of solidarity is unique for this pandemic. To be honest, I can't imagine anything happening like that in the United States. But uh, having said that, there's a lot of uh, worrying feelings, a lot of insecure thoughts going towards like jobs and things like that. Some of my friends I know have felt worried about their future with work and other pursuits. What are, you, what are you worried about? I think that uncertainty is something that has been hanging above the heads of almost everybody now. I think that I'm most concerned about three things. Number one is what I'll do this summer. This might not be for everybody, but I think a lot of people out there like me don't not only know what they're going to do this summer, as in, are they going to work an internship? Or are they going to take summer classes? They don't even know where they're going to live. Me, man, I might continue to live in this apartment. 
I might move to a different apartment in the city. I might go to my family up in Maine, or I might drive all across the country to live with my girlfriend's family. The second thing I'm really worried about is if next semester NYU is remote and if it then imposes full tuition cost, right? Because what will I do then, man? I still don't know. And beyond that, just, man, I'm scared for a job. The job market sucks now. And there's a lot of studies out there about how starting a career in a recession is really bad. So that really discourages me. And that actually brings me to you because you're in the rare position of graduating in December. And as I've just mentioned, next semester is very much at risk of being remote. So how do you feel about that? You know, I'm not really too worried about it. I think the best thing to be when confronted with issues like this pandemic is to be flexible. If I stop wanting to, to graduate in December because I missed a semester in person, then I'm fine with that. I'm fine with going all the way to May. I think the stressful thing about that, of course, is like finding work and then like building up your resume and the inevitable feeling of not doing anything. I know when I don't do anything, like I feel trapped in my own head and then that leads to other things and it's just not a good time. I think for me and what I would suggest to other people is to be optimistic while also being aware that there is a possibility that things are going to go downhill. There are a lot of people out there, I think, that are being uber optimistic and uber pessimistic. I think it's important to like be grounded and to try to stay rational. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm very much with you, man. So on the topic of being grounded, Jesus, <laughs> come on, man, keep going. I received a bunch of questions <laughs> on why the show is called the ground level. So please, Renee, explain to me what does the ground level mean to you? Well, that, that was a that was a good transition, <laughs> Isaac. Um, the, the, the podcast was formed out of an interest to make politics and activism more accessible to NYU students. In terms of the name, the ground level is uh, usually the most accessible level of a building. So I guess it kind of seemed natural to pick that name. I mean, when I came up with the name, with the person who was helping me come up with the name, I was in the lobby of Bobst. And so like the elevators are always a hassle to get on. So I think the name just fits. Also, it looked pretty in the font. So that, that was a good thing. <laughs> Renee, when you first approached me with the idea of calling the show to ground level, I thought it was kind of silly at the beginning, but I actually like just the sound of it. And I like the idea of taking an idea to the ground level. On that note, this concludes this episode of the ground level podcast. Before we call it a wrap, we just wanted to extend some thanks. Thank you to the Politics Society for making all of this possible. Also, thank you to uh, Jalen Eddington for the jingle. Sounds amazing. And thank you to Francesco Bianco for tirelessly editing our episodes. God bless you, dude. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, we wish that all our listeners out there are healthy and safe. I wish that you're healthy and safe too, Isaac. You too, Renee. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's call it a wrap, man. <laughs> That's it. That's it.